This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to Soul Searching with Seneca. So today we are still on letter number 24, we're about halfway through. The letter is on despising death, and so death is obviously a massive topic that Seneca tackles uh, all throughout his letters, but this one in particular, what he's trying to get us to see is firstly that we shouldn't just take our fears of the future at face value. We shouldn't believe them just as they appear to us. What we should do is investigate our fears and and really question whether or not uh, it is worth spending that mental energy or whether there's even any basis for having these sorts of fears. And then what we did in the last episode, we read up to about verse 11, Uh, And uh, throughout these many verses, uh, Seneca is giving us also a bunch of examples of people from uh, his time and people from history uh, who came forth and showed us uh, examples of having courage in spite of the fear of life, having courage uh, and, and understanding that many things, including the ultimate thing that we're all afraid of, death, uh, are not necessarily to be feared at all. He gave examples like Socrates and Cato, these people who stood with their better conscience and stood with truth and wisdom as opposed to giving into the tyranny of others. And this shows us, he actually said that Socrates did this to teach us that there's nothing to be afraid of when it comes to death and imprisonment. And so Seneca's setting up this argument here where he's kind of trying to get us to see that if you don't have to fear death then that's like the ultimate solution to your fears in life because death is the thing that all of us fear the most. And if we can get over that fear then we don't have fears of these things that might happen to us in life because uh, they don't compare at all to the fear of death, right? And so this is, in my opinion, the kind of message that he's trying to get across to us. Learn how to despise death, meaning learn how to not be afraid of it. Don't let it be the ruler of you. Don't let the fact of our death, of our mortality, uh, make you a slave in this life. There's not enough time. There's not enough energy to make that the case. So, uh, we're going to start reading from verse 12, uh, and then we'll kind of pick it apart and see what we can take away from it. Oh, and just for some context before we start reading from verse 12, uh, he's now moving back into his advice to Lucilius on this court case that is going on for him. Uh, that's something that he starts the letter with, uh, you know, talking to Lucilius about this court case that Lucilius is going through, uh, supposedly, if we believe that Lucilius existed. Uh, and, uh, and, and then he's kind of advising him not to have so many fears about the potential results of this court case. Uh, and so... He's going to keep on talking about that now. So he says, quote, Therefore, when your enemy threatens, listen unconcernedly. Although your conscience makes you confident, yet since many things have weight which are outside your case, both hope for that which is utterly just and prepare yourself against that which is utterly unjust. Remember, however, before all else, to strip things of all that disturbs and confuses, and to see what each is at bottom. You will then comprehend that they contain nothing fearful except the actual fear. 
What you see happening to boys happens also to ourselves, who are only slightly bigger boys. When those whom they love, with whom they daily associate, with whom they play, appear with masks on, the boys are frightened out of their wits. We should strip the mask, not only from men, but from things, and restore to each object its own aspect. End quote. All right, so we're going to stop here because these couple of verses have packed within them so much wisdom that we can pull apart and uh, and take and use in our lives. So uh, starting off, he says, you know, when your enemy threatens, listen unconcernedly. Although your conscience makes you confident, yet since many things have weight which are outside your case, both hope for that which is utterly just and prepare yourself against that which is utterly unjust. And so there's two things that I want to pick apart in here. Firstly, this idea of your conscience making you confident, right? Uh, This certainly gives us insight into what Seneca was trying to get across to us in the previous verses of of the previous episode, where he's laying out all of these amazing characters of history who had brilliant senses of of wisdom and of the right doing and of virtue and decided to stick with their conscience uh, even in spite of the greatest tyranny from external forces, right? And you really have to ask yourself, is there going to be anything that brings you more confidence to face life's challenges than knowing that you have a set of principles and values that you stick to when you're in alignment with those parts of yourself that are working for the best for you and for the people around you? When you know that, you know, you're not going to be tyrannized into going against your better conscience. There's something about that that brings such deep confidence in life. And the opposite is also true, at least that's how it appears, that when you go against your better judgment, when you go against your principles and your values, that's when you start to lose confidence and you start to get into spirals of, uh, of kind of self-doubt and, and, and self-guilt. And I mean, the thing is, we have an instinct for this sense of being in alignment with our conscience. You know, it's called deep meaning. It's when you feel like you're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And when you have those feelings, then you know that you're in alignment with your conscience, you're in alignment with your better values and your better judgment. And there's something about that that brings deep confidence. And the thing about this is, This is the question that we wrestle with at every moment of every day of our lives. We're always wrestling with this question of, what should I be doing right now? What would be best? What do I feel called to do right now? What is the most reasonable thing for me to do? You know, we we need to develop a sense of bringing together our rationality and our feelings and our emotions and our sense of the moment to inform us of when we are in alignment with our better conscience and when we are out of alignment. And to the extent, well, this is at least my, uh, my, my own experience and my own take, to the extent that you can bring yourself into alignment with that better conscience, you will feel more confident and you will feel a greater sense of courage in your life, which will aid you in making decisions based on your own judgments and not being a slave to the opinions of others or the tyranny of others or, you know, just the tyranny of life in general the things that are going to uh, get in your way and, 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 and make you betray your better judgment. You know, you're going to have confidence the more you come into alignment with your conscience. 
And so going back to that quote from Seneca, the second half of the passage, uh, really he's saying, you know, you should hope for the best or hope for justice in this court case, and you should prepare for injustice in the court case. So basically just a classic example of, you know, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. And this is just really good wisdom for all of our lives, right? When you are trying to get your values together, your principles for your life, when you're trying to come into alignment with your better conscience, right? Another aspect of that is going to be recognizing that even in spite of you doing that, even in spite of you having more courage in life and having a greater sense of confidence in your life, that doesn't mean that life has to abide by your rules. It is always going to abide by its own rules. And so, you need to prepare yourself for the absolute worst case scenario in life, which is also going to give you confidence, and hope for the best. You know, hopefully things go fine, but just know that that's likely not going to be the case. And so moving on, Seneca says, Remember, however, before all else, to strip things of all that disturbs and confuses, and to see what each is at bottom. You will then comprehend that they contain nothing fearful except the actual fear. And so, what he's saying here is, take a look at the things that give you fear, take a look at the things that confuse you, that disturb you, uh, and try to get to the bottom of those things. Ask as many questions as you need to ask about the nature of those things that you're frightened of or confused about, and you will likely find that there's not much underneath them. You know, there's a brilliant interview uh, between Tim Ferriss and the actor Jamie Foxx. Uh, well, actor, he's, he's, a, he's brilliant. He does so many things. But, but nonetheless, one of the things that he teaches his children is uh, always look at what's on the other side of my fear. You know, always look on the other side, see what's behind it. And he teaches kids, you know, if you really look at it, you'll find out that the thing that you're fearing, there's, there's really not much to it. And I certainly think that this is wisdom, right? Is just to unpack things, to see what really lies beneath them. This is what Seneca is trying to get across in this whole letter: is don't just accept your fears on first, uh, you know, on first glance. You need to go deeper than that. And so he goes on to say, "What you see happening to boys happens also to ourselves, who are only slightly bigger boys." When those whom they love, with whom they daily associate, with whom they play, appear with masks on, the boys are frightened out of their wits. We should strip the mask, not only from men, but from things, and restore to each object its own aspect. So, here we see in Seneca's writing this kind of stoic idea of putting things into their boxes, inquiring deeply and and separating things and recognizing exactly what each thing is, you know, taking each thing and giving it its own aspect, restoring it to its own aspect. And so, this is kind of a stoic idea, right? It's it's, it's almost this idea of the logos, this ordering principle that we have access to as human beings, uh, right? Which allows us uh, to put things into boxes, to know what they are, uh, to name them, to inquire about them, uh, to find out more information about what is their true nature. And as we do that, we literally convert chaos into order. We, we convert potential into 
understood reality, or at least partially understood reality. And one of the great things about this is we can do this with our fears. We can say, okay, what am I afraid of right now? What's coming towards me or potentially coming towards me that that uh, might be devastating to me? And, you know, I would probably go down the line of saying, okay, there are some things that might actually be really devastating to you, and you should probably uh, have a healthy sense of fear about those things. But Seneca's approach is, listen, if you inquire long enough, right, you will find that there's not much on the end of those fears, and that ultimately, uh, you can still have the confidence as long as you are in alignment with that better conscience of yours, if you are holding fast to your principles and to your better judgment. And, you know, he kind of gives this great example of uh, of the kids or the adults who, you know, uh, specifically with the kids, uh, when there are these people who they love, they associate with, they spend all the time with, uh, but then as soon as they put a mask on, the kids are uh, frightened out of their wits, right? Now, what Seneca is asking us to do is to peel back the mask of reality, right? And to actually look behind, to peer behind into the truth of how things really are. And at such a point as we are able to do that, he suggests that you'll kind of sink into uh, this feeling of confidence and calm in spite of the terrible things that may come your way or the perceived terrible things that may come your way. And let me throw a few more thoughts out there because it seems to me like this letter is not asking us to be casual in facing life's adversity, be casual in facing life's challenges and stresses, right? Because life will throw adversity your way. It will throw challenges your way. It, it, it's almost like try, Seneca's trying to say, listen, prepare for the worst because life will come along and completely kick you to the curb. That's an absolute fact. And if you haven't experienced tragedy in your life so far, then you absolutely will, right? But what Seneca is trying to say here is that, you know, and this is the reason why he gives us so many examples of people like this from the past. He's trying to say that you are stronger than life is hard. You have the ability to be courageous and confident and to act in alignment with your better conscience and to act out of values and principles and better judgment, you have these abilities, right? In spite of the fact that life is going to be constantly kicking you to the curb. You have this magical ability to face life and to still live a meaningful life, even if you have to go through the worst trials imaginable. You know, and this is this is some really hopeful and useful information to know about yourself as a human being, which is, again, you know, like what I said in the previous episode, this is why we learn from history. It's, it's we're trying to get an image of what humans are like. And man, humans are tough. You know, they are, they are tough creatures who are able to completely withstand and overcome uh, the greatest of trials in life, all except for death which is, I guess, why this is such an important fear to overcome, right? Because if you can overcome that fear, then I guess what else is there to fear? So, I know I've kind of thrown a whole bunch of thoughts out there. I I hope you've picked some of them up and I hope that they're useful to you. Uh, And, of course, we'll talk to you next time and I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Mm -hmm.